hustle is addictive because it works. It really does. You hustle, you work hard enough, you do this, 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 long enough, hard enough, you'll get a result, right? But at the expense of what? And so I looked around and, and I just said, no more. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. Today, I have an incredible dear friend, one of the most successful women I know, and this episode absolutely blew my mind. We talk about how she went from a small town Texas girl with less than humble beginnings and traumas to a multiple seven-figure business sage, how making millions while being the unhappiest and healthiest she's ever been, the true definition of force and how it's not your friend. It's time to heal the hustle. Do you know the true cost of the hustle culture? When you prioritize in the wrong order, you get the wrong results. The true definition of hustle and how it's not aligned to your greatest self, how your ego is not bad, it's the construct of all your previous experiences and how to use it for good. The power of meeting yourself for the first time is your ego driving while your soul is trying to backseat drive. The two most powerful practices to light up your soul, the secret to using MTMs, which full disclosure is a practice I'm taking from this podcast and instituting in my life today, probably eight or nine times today. Can you tell the difference between your soul and your ego? And 75% of healing is awareness. The other 25% is the easiest to solve, plus so much more in this jam-packed episode. So get your pens ready, get your ears ready, get your hearts ready, get your souls ready, because today's episode is a good one. So without further ado, let's get into the show. I have a very special guest. We have Echo the Empire Builder, the queen of a healing, the hustle, the sage of the soul up movement, a divine feminine leader, the mirror for your greatness, helping you unlock your limiting beliefs and activating your superpowers and magic. So it's time to elevate your lives and business into the realms of creation abundance with today's incredible guest, Echo. Echo, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, George. Thank you. I'm so honored and excited to be here. Me too. Me too. I was like, hello. We bumped into each other in Austin. I was like, so good to see you. Will you come on the podcast? And I was like, why have I not asked this before for you to go spread all your good positive juju on everybody? Oh, I'm so excited to chat today for sure. I am. I am as well. It is a gift and I'm excited to be here. So as we were talking before the show, I'm like the king of random relationships. And everyone's like, George, who are all these people you know? Why are they on the show? What are they about to drop on us? So I want to give everybody some context of how we became today's Echo. But give us kind of the overview, the story of Echo from wherever you want to begin to what gets us to today. Oh, I love that. So goodness, where do I want to begin? So I'm just small town Texas girl. It's funny, you know, where where we're at a little outside of Austin. I always forget that we're some of the only native Texans in this area, but born and raised Texas. Um, you know, I grew up with less than humble beginnings. You know, I grew up in a very traumatic childhood, had a lot of um, trauma growing up. And, and that really put me in a place from a very young age to be super independent, super on my own you know, had a full-time job since I was 14, graduated when I was 16, moved out on my own at 17, 
and just always on the grind, you know, and I've always been kind of this entrepreneurial spirit, always into just being the best that I could be, but really just hustling through life for most of my life. Right. And up until 33 years old, five years ago, that was my life. I just, I was really good at hustling and creating and I became very successful. Right. Um, and then five years ago, I had my spiritual awakening and that kind of shifted everything about who I am, who I be, how I function, how I run my businesses, businesses in general. And the woman that I am today is nothing near what I used to be. And I'm so grateful for that. But now I just, I focus on, I love how you said, like, you're love and light, goo goo. It's like one of, you know, one of the things I always say is like love, light, and no BS. You know, I am a divine feminine leader, but I'm also have that fire and that passion and that potency that comes with my purpose and my mission in life. And um, I'm just here to really help raise the consciousness of the planet by leading women back home to their power and sovereignty, because this has been my journey. I was so focused on the external world for so long that it like, it led me and it led me down a hole that I never want to go back to. So this power and sovereignty journey is truly what it's about and who I try to embody every day. Yeah. I, I now know why we get along so well, <laughs> because we're the same age. Mm. I have been on my own since I was like 12 or 13. Yeah. Took it seriously, 14, 15, 16, ran away to the Marine Corps at 17 mm -hmm. and had what I used to call an unlimited fuel source mm -hmm. that created massive amounts of success on the outside with right. massive amounts of turmoil on the inside. Yeah. And so I actually want to talk about this because I've yet to have somebody else that's like, I'm like, oh, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. truly. And yeah. so- when you when you're recalling, you just said something you said, you know, and it led me down this dark hole. Right. Mm. Because I'm assuming based on my experience, what there was was on paper, everything that everybody said. I have a multiple six figure business. You have freedom. You choose your life. You're an entrepreneur. You're such a savage. But yet the moment the world went away, it was dark and felt unaligned. And so like what was like when did you start to notice or start to see the cost of the hustle? Oh, goodness. 33 years old, woke up, had made our first million. And I was the unhappiest and unhealthiest I'd ever been in my entire life. I was diagnosed with neurological Lyme disease. I realized that I've had an addiction to alcohol because I dove into the mommy wine culture and the busy mom scenario, you know, and I just, I was, you know, overweight. I was, I mean, just everything you can imagine. I was so unhealthy and so unhappy in this deep, dark depression. But on paper, everybody saw this and everybody yep. saw the success and everybody saw the money. And it was like, if this is what being successful looks like or feels like, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. And so I took a huge step back. I dove headfirst into like the natural world, the holistic world, because I, you know, I wasn't going to take that my my quote-unquote neurological Lyme disease was incurable. I was like, no, that's BS. Not going to believe that. And I don't have neurological Lyme disease now, like to say that. And I'm almost five years sober. So I just literally looked at my life and I was like, this can't be what success is. But everything that I was shown growing up and everything we're taught in this world is grind, hustle, force, push, pull. And that's my definition of hustle is the the forcing, the pushing, the pulling, the dragging energy to achieve an outcome. 
And so, and I always say, and you know, I'm writing a book right now called Heal the Hustle. And it's, and it's truly like hustle is addictive because it works. It really does. You hustle, you work hard enough, you do this, 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 long enough, hard enough, you'll get a result, right? But at the expense of what? And yeah. so I looked around and, and I just said, no more. And that's when, you know, my, my healing team came online. I felt my connection to God again. And my soul, I kind of let my soul take the, the driver's seat and really lead me down this path of healing that hustle and realizing that, you know, the money doesn't make me who I am. And for mm-hmm. so long, I think too, because of a traumatic upbringing, right. And like growing up really poor and, and all of these things, I remember not going to school some days and didn't have, and this is how my mind worked. And I, you know, we didn't have money. And so I wouldn't have money for lunch some days, but I was also like, this got me into trouble some, but like, I also had this innate pride that I wouldn't get on the menu, the lunch thing to yep. be the kid doing the tickets, you know? So it was like this, this inner turmoil of always knowing there was more for me and to, that, that it could work. But 33 years old was my turning point. You know, my Jesus here, who was like, well, I'm done. And then now I've turned that around and created a beautiful, successful life, more successful life, but from a place of this sovereignty and soul. What's funny is I was 33 too. Of course you were. Of course yeah. you were, George. I like, I, I'm doing the math in my head because Branson turned six three days ago. Oh. And I was like, wait, I was 33 too. Yeah. The yeah. year. It's 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 a big year. It is. It is. My numerologist told me that 29 would be my hardest year. And it was a pretty hard one. And then 33 came and I was like, hey, you didn't tell me about this one. And she's like, no, no, no. I was getting you prepped for this one. And right. Like, We've been preparing. You. Yeah, dude, there's so many interesting paradigms wrapped into that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you, you, you said two things that I want to bring light to for everybody listening, because when I was talking about in your intro, like my experience of you is radiance, it's light, it's, it's freeing. It's like seeing possibility. Like every time I've seen you or I consume your content or I even hear about you, it's this goo goo and this radiance. And it reminds me of that quote of the, the two wolves, right? The old Cherokee of like, they're both there. And I don't know what this was like for you, but for me, it was what, which one I was choosing to feed Mm -hmm. because I still have a lot of those thoughts. I still catch Mm -hmm. myself when the triggers overtake my current capacity, my default behaviors jump back into the hustle culture, but they jump in with a new awareness and it's almost impossible to act on them because it feels so out of alignment. And I have to choose to feed that wolf. And so I want to talk about that step back because I remember mine, but I, I want to hear yours, right? Because yeah. to paint the picture, and you know this person very well, I gave him my company, Josh Trent, yeah, in that year. Mm-hmm. And on paper, the world was like, you have this seven-figure food blog, you're a New York Times bestseller, you had a number one app in the world, you know, millions of followers, blah, blah, blah. And I had a a turning point when I was sitting in silence in Costa Rica and I realized that none of it was me. And at 33 years old, I realized that in my entire life, I couldn't remember one decision that I ever made only for me Mm. without thinking about my wife, my kids, my parents, the world, the paradigm, this whole thing of like, look, I was poor. 
But now I have all of these things. And I remember when I made that decision, nobody was down. They're like, wait, you're giving it away. You're not going to sell it. You're not going to. I'm like, no, I have to give it away. But what followed was three years of really deep self-practice without the world being there. And so I'm asking this because I know there's a lot of people that are listening that are like, something's not working or something feels off or I feel out of alignment. And for me, when I had that awareness, it took me years to be able to hit stop to then Mm -hmm. try something because I didn't know a new behavior. I didn't know a new way. And so I'm really interested to hear kind of like what yours was like when you when you pulled the veil back and you're like, I'm taking a step back. I'm taking control of my health on paper. Everyone's like, yeah, but what happens to the business? Like, what are you doing every day? Like, where is it without the hustle? And so I would I would love to hear you. You kind of like spread your woo all over that one. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that part of your story, too. Yeah, of course. It's, you know, the hard truth of it is, is when you look at when you're in that place if you're in that place and you're like this is not what I want success to feel like this is I'm not happy like yes I'm making all this money I look good on paper people think I've got the perfect life but you go to bed miserable every night you have to really I had to be knocked upside the head I'm I'm you know you did too right it's like I had to be but but previous to that in our previous 33 years we were always being given signs, little burnouts here, little exhaustion here, little unhappiness here, little depression here. But what happens when we don't listen, then the universe goes, okay, you've got really big things to do here on this planet. And we need you to stop messing around. And here, here's neurological Lyme disease. Here's an alcohol addiction, like coming full force. Like you need to get it together and you get your, you get your wind knocked out of you. And For me personally, what I always guide women on, especially, but this is for anybody, is you've got to make that radical decision, that radical ownership and take radical responsibility for if you really do want change. And sometimes why it has to take something so big is because we ignore all the little signs and we just think, oh, the whole I'll sleep when I dead or, oh, when I make my first million, then I'll relax and rest. Oh, I'm going to make my first six figures, then I'll relax. And it's like, no, because then you're just going to want more because you're just feeding, feeding it. Right. And so you have to take radical responsibility that, hey, I actually want to make this change. And on the other side of that, you've got to be okay with a little bit of a slump because the reality is, is when it comes to business, if you function and ran your business out of pure hustle, that, that just grind energy, no sleep, I'm going to work 16, 18, 24 hours a day, whatever it takes, da, 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 da. When you step back from that and you turn inward and you focus on yourself, like you said, and you become selfish in that way, and you start to really look at yourself and take care of yourself and less on the business or not in the same way, all the money that was attached to that lack frequency of hustle, because hustle is a lack, it's like need, 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 that is, some of that's going to go away. It just is because that's energetics and that's just the facts of it right if your your money was attached to hustle and it was only coming because you were hustling and grinding as soon as you let go of the hustle there's going to be a slump and so you have to be okay with that the ego has to be okay with that too and know that that's a piece of it unless you created some really beautiful sustainable residual income through that hustle which is awesome right but 
it's really acknowledging, am I ready for this? And then knowing that you can do hard things. It's so silly to say and so airy fairy, but it's like, it's not easy. You said it took you three years. It's, I mean, I've been in it for five years. And like you said, there's still twinges of that hustle that'll come back in out of that trauma response. And, oh, I got to take back control or I got to do this or going to do that. But it's like, you've got to be ready for the journey. And if you're in that spot where you're just getting those little the little gifts from the universe, like, oh, I'm feeling really depressed or, oh, I'm not happy. This sucks. I feel like I'm having to work too much. Those kind of things are signals that it might be time to really focus on you in some capacity. It doesn't mean you let your business go or it does. Sometimes you got to give it away and be like all ties, all energetic cords are gone. But you, it's taking that radical responsibility. And that's also why a lot of people, I mean, more people are now, but a lot of people don't go down this path of, really releasing that hustle and grind because yeah. it is scary but when you know you know and and you've got to look and for me it was prioritizing i was like okay what are my values now my values and priority is like my, me and that sounds selfish but me and my spiritual journey my sovereignty my family my mission and movement and my businesses right but for so long, I'd say, oh, people say, oh, family first or, oh, this. And it's like 99% of your life, you are not putting your family first, right? You're not actually taking the action. It's, that it's not meeting up. You're saying one thing and you're living a completely different way. Yep. So you've got to really prioritize what your values are and how you're actually implementing them in your life and, and embodying them. Like, are you being true to your values? Because I can tell you that most people aren't, mm -hmm. right? Most people are too busy working to look their kid in the eyes when they're talking to them. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like, and, and I, it sounds like your, your child was right on the cusp, you know, yep. mine is about to be nine. And I think the first four years of his life, I missed so much. Yeah. me choke up because it's like, what's really important, you know? And it's, we think like, the money or the success or the, you know, the fame or the impact or the Instagram followers or BS we feed ourselves. But on our deathbed, we're not going to be saying, man, I wish I would have made another million dollars. Man, I wish I would have had 10,000 more Instagram followers. I would have said, I wish that I would have spent more time with my family. I wish yeah. I would have counted the freckles on my son's face more. You know, I wish I would have spent time with my soul family more. Like we, that's not going to matter. So you have to live your life now in that with those values prioritized yeah wow i um thank you thank you for saying that i i i um i call a lot of that tainted evidence because for me i was so wrapped up in the hustle culture right of like the go 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 that it was my identity mm -hmm. right and so when i started stripping it away it and, and when I said it, it took me three years. It took me three years to recognize my gain. I'm still in this work every single day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was it was three years to, in my opinion, to allow me to decide what identity I wanted to be created. But mm -hmm. I want to give credence to what you said, because number one is what you alluded to earlier is I never realized what it was truly costing me because my window of measurement was so limited. I was living in the pill bottle and measuring myself against the day without realizing the long-term costs because yeah. I was lacking that self-integrity or that dissonance that I call. And, and my son, because my daughter's 17 and my son yeah. just turned six, but my son was a critical point because I had to start asking myself, like, if I give him the option, should daddy do two more calls today or should daddy play Roblox? 
Should daddy go do seven videos that don't need to be done that I convinced myself because this hustle identity to keep up with the Joneses? Or do you want to go to the park and play tag? Mm -hmm. And it gave me a very real life example of what you're talking about right here and really put into perspective what truly, truly mattered. Yeah. And um, I think another thing that you you said that I, I think deserves a whole lot of value and credit is the order of your priorities, mm-hmm. because what was happening for me and, and I'm sharing this because I know there's people listening that are like, oh, that's me. You're in my head. Like, yeah, I, I get it. The other thing that I never recognized, Echo, is that my hustle culture had a ceiling mm-hmm. because the beliefs underneath it were from scarcity. And so. I was rewarded with tainted evidence. Like I, 100 grand, 200 grand, 300 grand, relatively easy, but I could never break that ceiling. And so, and I would self-sabotage it back down because I needed more energy and that scarce hustle energy felt like an unlimited fuel source that I would sprint again and then it would come and then it would go. And it wasn't until I fully surrendered and released that attachment that just like very much like our dear friend, Jen, the next month, two months, six months were kind of like, what is this? Like, where did this come from? And the thing that I, I dance with the most now is having the trust in the integrity of my inputs versus the results. Because it's truly unknown. Like every day is truly, truly unknown. Like this is the only podcast I'm doing today that I'm packing. And I was like, no, this is enough. This is perfect. It's going to go up. We're going to share it with the world. But I find it very interesting because in the world that you and I live in and a lot of entrepreneurs live in, hustle is the new epidemic that's celebrated and rewarded Mm -hmm. without people realizing what it cost them. And Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to realize that. So I want to give everybody your definition of hustle because I love healing the hustle. And Mm -hmm. I was that guy. Yeah. I was Marine for 13 years. I'll sleep oh. and I'm dead, you know, boom, boom, boom. And even going down the road of like, if I have a brand new car, I don't want to put it in the grave all polished. I want it broken, beat up. And I'm like, what programming is that in my brain that like, I feel like I have to suffer through life because I was celebrated in that culture. Yes. yes. So can we talk about hustle and the hustle yeah. culture? And yeah, let, let's just go. So good. So for me, the definition of hustle is that push, pull, force, drag energy to achieve an outcome, right? And it's not in alignment. It's not inspired. It's not, you know, it's purely like here, do ABC over and over again, really hard to get there, right? And I love what you said a second ago, too, because it, it reminds me, I'm, I made a post a while back and I said something about you know, people see a pretty face or a successful person or whatever. And they're like, oh, must be nice. Like, I'd do anything to have what she has. But the the point of it is, is if you pulled back the curtain and you showed everything that we've been through from childhood trauma to the hustle, to the burnout, to the like, you know, all the things, all the, you know, like the moments missed, like nobody would sign up for that. You know what I mean? Nobody would. Nobody in their right mind would. Right. And so the hustle, yeah, the whole, the hustle culture for me is like being rewarded for that busyness, right? And like that busy energy and, and, you know, to me, it's just, it's all about the ego and the ego is not a bad thing, right? The ego is here to protect us. And, and, you know, it's just circumstances built up, but 
at the same time, it's ego driven in the sense that like we hustle because we want the external validation. It's we don't hustle for ourselves. Like you can convince yourself that, yes, in the beginning of growing my businesses, it was like, well, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this, you know, so and give them a better life. That was like the first month. Right. And then it goes to, oh, well, I get a pat on the back every time I do this or I'm seen doing this or somebody sees me make this much money or do da da da. And it's like, oh, pat on the back. And that fuels our ego. So we're literally looking outside of ourselves for all of this validation, approval, love, worth. Because when we are in hustle, I can almost guarantee you that we don't feel worthy mm-hmm. because worthy people don't force, know that they don't have to force being loved or feeling worthy or feeling validated. We don't, but we get so trapped in this collective programming of the hustle and the grind and and we, and we're shut, it's shoved in our faces all the time, but this is why our work has to be so important because it's always going to be there, but we have to know, okay, I'm in my power and sovereignty. I don't have to do it this way or do it that way. Again, we see the success. We see the tip of the iceberg with these people that inspire us, but we're not thinking about everything going on behind the scenes, right? And I've learned through the hustle and really releasing the hustle that I can get a lot more done when I'm intentional and in less time now, right? Like I don't have to work 16, 18 hours a day. I can work four hours a day, six hours a day and be good and feel accomplished and feel well and all of these beautiful things. But we do. I think the hustle comes from not having blinders on. Honestly, we're out there looking and seeking and and who's going to love me more and who's going to think that I'm cool and, oh, I've got this, I've got that. And, you know, it's just we're playing this ego game that we really need to get into check in the world, you know, and also for us asking ourselves, why do I admire this person? You know, why do I, why do I inspire to be like them? Is it because of their message and their heart? Or is it because, oh, they've got a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. They must be good. Like I need to do what they're doing. Right. Oh, she makes a million dollars. Oh, I need to do exactly. No, like the sovereignty is missing when you're, when you're in the hustle and it's that shiny object syndrome. Cause like I said earlier, you think, oh, I'll, I'll rest when I get a hundred thousand dollars. I'll rest when I make a million dollars. No, no, no. You're going to want more and you're going to think, oh, I need more to be more worthy of filling your cup with the money. And that doesn't work that way. Hustle is, is, and again, it doesn't mean, and I know you understand this too. It doesn't mean that we don't freaking work hard No. as, as these beings that are, have healed that hustle. It's like, we still work hard, but it's aligned and inspired action. It's doing things that we actually love. Because a lot of times hustle is wrapped in things you're doing just because you think you should be doing or you've been taught you should do instead of actually things that light you up. For sure. And what what I have found is that even in the lens of comparison, it dilutes any possibility of a positive result because it's reactive, right? And so I'm a big fan of environmental design because like you, I typically have to learn lessons the hard way, right? Like <laughs> yeah. back in the face with a two by four. And so I try to design an environment where I don't get hit with a two by four. I get daily reminders mm-hmm. every single day. But, you know, for everybody listening, the most magnetic people, the most attractive people, the most successful people are the ones that are completely unattached. Yeah. And I have this rule for myself that I, I'm only allowed to consume up to 30 minutes of content a day, but Mm -hmm. it's on the other side of my creation. So 
Beautiful. I'm prioritizing building my vision before building somebody else's because I never yes. realized even in the distraction and the comparison. And I'm like, oh, I'm on this four hour Instagram rabbit hole looking for inspiration. And I'm like, I just built 500 people's other visions mm -hmm. while collecting tainted evidence about how I'm not good enough because the only way that I could, quote unquote, be good enough would be to take action. But yet I'm creating this purgatory of inaction to where the molehill becomes Mount Everest. And then it's even harder and harder and harder to go. Yes. That, yes. I always that, say that if you're consuming more than you create, then you're stifling all of your creativity. And I love what you said about you create before you consume. So I'm going to use that too. It's like you create your own from your own clear vessel before you start consuming. Because these phones and these computers that we have, it opens us up to a portal of 8 billion beings and all yep. these things. And it's like we're getting inundated left and right. And we don't know what's ours and what's not unless we are in the stillness of our sovereignty. Yeah, which which comes down for me, right? Like one of my famous lines is nobody has a marketing problem. Everybody has a relationship problem. <laughs> but the tagline is the most important part with themselves, their team and their customers informed in that order. Yeah, and I, I fell into that trap because I was really afraid of putting my stamp in the world, because mm -hmm. if the world wasn't going to tell me who I should be, Echo, then who should I be like, why am I creating? What is it coming from? Like that was, that yeah. was the thing. So before I ask you this question, I want to talk about ego for a minute because mm -hmm. I think this is such a profound topic and I think ego is a good thing when it has a cup of coffee, sits down and reminds me that it's there. Right. And I don't know what this was like for you, but I know probably one of the hardest things that I worked through was the guilt the fault, the blame, and the shame, right? Mm -hmm. Where I recognized this wasn't aligned and then it was boom. But then there was also 33 years of collateral damage mm -hmm. that were caused. My wife, my kids, mm -hmm. my friends, businesses, I mean, like things that were, were there. And I was never truly free or able to create until I did a whole lot of self forgiveness and self-love and acceptance. Yeah. And so can you can you talk about ego and share some of your wisdom and yeah. and just even thoughts on feeding that good wolf and that positive juju? Because, you know, this is something I wish I heard, you know, six years ago or so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to me that like you said, the ego is not a bad thing. To me, it's the construct of all of our previous experiences and you know, everything that we've experienced in life creates the ego. So a lot of times the ego, or I call it the small self is, is not a bad thing. It's just trying to do its job that we've pro it's been programmed to do for our entire life, whether it's from trauma growing up. Well, if, if you do this, if you're the good little girl or the good little boy, then you'll avoid this. So like do what everybody always says. So then you get older and it's like, the ego's like, oh, well, if you just do what they say, like you'll stay out of trouble. And it, it like, it's trying to protect us in a lot of ways, right? And I think ego thinks, people think ego is like this cocky, like that's not what the ego we're talking about. We're talking about the ego that, you know, it's just constructed over all these years and it's there to protect us. But at the end of the day, we have to reprogram the ego and it's our turn to really go inward. Like you said, the shame, the guilt, the, you know, especially like when I hit that 33 mark and I was diagnosed with that illness and I realized I had a drinking problem. 
it was really interesting because obviously getting sober at the same time of healing the hustle for me played, they went hand in hand, but it was like that deep dive into meeting myself for the first time at 33 years old because my ego, which is the construct of all of my experiences and all my programming for 33 years is what led the show. My soul was mute. My soul wasn't mute, but I was mute. You know, I wasn't listening to it. Right. And so it, I had to really look at the ego and say, thank you. Like, thank you for getting me to this point. Thank you for protecting me all these years, because honestly, those constructs and, and yes, my higher self, God and soul and all this like protected me too. But the ego in so many instances protected me and got me to where I was. And then I thanked it and I had to go through that forgiveness of forgiving myself for, you know, spending the first few years of my son's life in the mommy wine culture and hustling and grinding and ignoring him. And, you know, I had to forgive myself for allowing myself to get to that point. So what if you could seamlessly convert social media conversations and turn them into high paying clients? Welcome to my life. I know you've been patiently waiting for my team and I to launch profitable DMs, and I am so excited because it's now available as a part of the social media bundle available now through Cyber Monday. The social media bundle is a series of programs designed to help you establish a framework for social media growth while saving more time and energy so you can increase your conversions. If you're ready to learn how to implement a proven framework for turning those comments into cash, and leading DMs into high-paying clients, and this bundle is for you. But here is the catch. Once Tuesday morning arrives, profitable DMs will be standalone $297. But now, until then, you can get two, not one, not three, two additional courses on me and profitable DMs for $295. It's a well-intentioned steal of a deal to help you increase your social media conversions through the holiday season and into 2023 and beyond because I teach principles and principles last forever. So grab it, grab your bundle, and I'll see you on the inside. And then I thanked it and I had to go through that forgiveness of forgiving myself for you know, spending the first few years of my son's life in the mommy wine culture and hustling and grinding and ignoring him. And, you know, I had to forgive myself for allowing myself to get to that point and, you know, the guilt and the shame associated with that. And, and so I had to really start diving deep. And I think that's the part of deconstructing the ego is really diving deep and figure out who you are. Cause I realized that like you, for most of my life, I was creating this successful life based on what the world was telling me success was, based on what the world was telling me pretty was, was based on what the world was telling me happy was. Like I was building it on all of these things that when I got down to the root of it and I just sat with myself and started to literally sit with myself in silence and ask myself questions, I was like, I don't even want to do that, you know, like, or I don't even like that, or that's not who I am. Like, what am I doing? I used to say that I was a really good chameleon. I used to be a really good chameleon. I, you know, growing up, I could be, I was friends with all of the groups from the goths to the jocks to the, the nerds, you know, all these things that people say. And, um, you know, I was really good at fitting in. If I got a boyfriend and he liked sports and some sport that I'd never heard of, I'd start to like it, you know, like, 
So it's the same thing as we got older that you come into business and you start to see people that are successful or pretty or whatever, and you start to emulate what they they live and what they like and how they work. And and so you have to really like peel all of that back, which to me is the biggest part of the awakening is like deconstructing all of the programming and all the collective stuff and go, okay, what is truly me? Which is really freaking scary if you haven't known yourself for 33 years, 50 years, 60, whatever it is. Yep. And you have to sit with yourself. And like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. You don't like pull all this away and then go, okay, now who I, oh, I know who I am. Like, I'm, it's great. Like, this is perfect. It's like, no, it, it's a journey. And that's, again, the radical responsibility to sit with your crap, like sit with the ugly stuff that you haven't wanted to face about yourself. Sit with the things that you're ashamed of. Sit with the things that you still have fear or anger around. Like really being with yourself is the most potent catalyst to transformation because once you see yourself and and even if it's all the pain that you've experienced, all the anger, whatever, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And so you have to choose. For me, it's choosing the wolf that's going to do the work to start to heal, to start to evolve, to start to ascend. And so that radical responsibility, you got to be ready for. It's not easy, but it's the most transformational journey you can go on. It's the most elevated. It's the most ascended, like not running from or numbing from just to like appease the masses, so to speak, or appease the ego, right? Like really getting true to yourself is not easy. Yeah. And it's simple, not easy. Exactly. It's because simple. what is the most simple thing we can do? Sit in silence. Yep. And breathe. Yep. But that doesn't make it easy because most people are terrified to sit with themselves. Oh, I have a joke, Echo. You'll laugh when you come to one of the events, but I do this at the event and I, I, I joke now with people. I said, Does anybody want to see how you get a ton of millionaires to run like cockroaches? And they're all like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, all right, cool, but you have to blindly commit. So we're about to go on lunch and I'm going to give you a practice that only takes 15 minutes. Everybody committing to doing it. And I was like, and here's the rules. You can't have a notebook. You can't have a pen. You can't have music. You can't listen to anything. You have to go practice boredom for 15 minutes and be the witnesser of whatever's around you, your thoughts, your anything. And when you're done, you can't write any of it down. And I was like, those are the rules. There are no questions to be asked. And then you look in the audience and you see 70 hands go like this, right? The how, the why, can we do it outside? Can we do it? Yep. And there's this deep aversion uh, to it because it's a muscle we never flex. And, yeah. and, and thinking about the world that we live in, attention is the number one traded commodity. Yeah. And no matter where you slice it, from your phone to your family, to your friends, to your kids, to billboards, to commercials, to TV, to radio, to YouTube, all of that noise is pulling you away from being in a relationship with the one person that you're guaranteed to spend the rest of your life with, which is yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I and thought, the books that, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you go. You go. The book that you suggested to Jenna and I, The Comfort Crisis. One of the things that like I loved in that book and it talked about the the situation where they got a hundred men and women and asked them, would you rather receive an electric shock yep. and be shocked or sit in silence for 15 minutes? And the percentages of people, men and women that chose to be shocked rather than just sit with themselves for 15 minutes, it's like it's so it's it's mind blowing, but it's so true. And that's a big part of my journey the last five years is intentionality with stillness and and slowing down. That's a huge part of my practice. Yeah. Just stillness and slowing down. And and it's been life changing because we need that. Like you said, that we're inundated all day, every day with everything external. We need mm -hmm. to spend time with ourselves. 
Yeah, I saw a quote this morning. I've seen this hundreds of times, but, uh, you know, it's along the lines of what happened to us is not our responsibility, but what we know, once we know it is ours to change it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I, uh, I just facilitated my last mastermind event and uh, I played a video from Sadhguru Mm. and I love his approach because he's humorous and he's funny, but he's also like this sage, you know, yogi. But what I found so comical is how easy he broke it down. And he's like, we get issued this human body, this existential meat suit that what we call it. But yet we don't get a test drive. We don't get taught how to drive it. We just throw the keys in and expect to know how to use it because we never take the time to explore the inner workings of this manual. Yeah. And I will say that if I had to nail the one most powerful practice that has saved and changed my life, created more wealth, created more joy, created more happiness. It is stillness and being alone. Yes. And it's not this, I'm not sitting on a mountaintop for 12 hours, right? It's when I drop my son off at school at 845 and I have 30 minutes to the office, it's choosing to drive it in silence. It's choosing to not listen to music for three years. It's choosing to not consume content. It's oh, I'm going to go on a five-minute walk without my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go just sit in the chair and stare at the horses in the pasture. It's, uh, it's the moments that we have where we have an unlimited amount of time to flex that muscle. And it can be flexed in 30 seconds, a minute, yeah. two minutes. But it's this willingness. And, and almost, you know, for me, when I healed, and when I say healed, just so everybody's listening, my definition of healed is awareness. I truly believe that awareness is the finish line. Yeah. Because in those moments, I'm met with one single choice. Which wolf do I want to feed, right? But I have a current state. I know, like this morning, I cried on my way to the office because I upset my wife this morning. I made a face and then I turned a molehill into a mountain. And right. then rather than giving her her space, I'm like, can we talk about it, right? And then she's like, I don't want to talk. And then I was like, oh, There's my little wounded boy trying to people please because I want to be okay at the sacrifice of your experience. Mm -hmm. And then I got in the car and I cried and I was like, of course, in those moments, I'm like, oh my God, I could have said this. I could have done that. And I was like, wait, not could have. I'm going to, when I get home, be like this and be like that. And so uh, I have another book recommendation based on what you said earlier, by the way. Yeah. And, and for everybody listening, I've recommended the book a hundred times. Maybe this will be your time to read it. Uh, but, you know, that whole toxic thinking of like, I'll start this when I make a million dollars. I'll yeah. do this when Monday comes. There's an author called Jamie Smart that wrote a book called The Little Book of Clarity. And it's about sure. a two hour read. And it is a manifesto on toxic thinking Ooh. and collapsing that gap down. And so... You alluded to something earlier, and I feel like I've already talked too damn much on my own show, so I'm going to shut up. But uh, there's just one of my shadows that I dance. I just acknowledge mine when they come up, though. Like, I don't even give them space. I just call them out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. People laughed at the last event because I stopped it. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Cancel. I just said that for my ego. It added no value to the room whatsoever. And then I just started talking again like nothing happened. Right. At least 10, 15 people came up to me, and they're like, what, what? That was the weirdest. I'm like, oh, no, that was just for me. That that had nothing to do with you. That was 100% for me. I love that. But I, I, I think what's so huge and what I understand now that I didn't understand then is that my level of healing 
never had to match my level of trauma, but it required intentionality and alignment in my choices. Yeah. And you've alluded to a stillness practice. Yes. Silence practice, some sacred space. But like what I would love to hear is like, what are some of your like sacred rituals or sacred habits? And what are some of the ones that you recommend? Because my goal for anybody listening is that there's one thing today that you can put into practice today yeah. consistently that by the time you even realize its results, you're so farther along than when you started because yeah. it's the consistency that wins. So I would kind of love to hear like some of your sacred practices, your habits, your rituals around any of this. Absolutely. So I have two things I want to share around this. So this is perfect. But the first thing is something probably people have heard a million times, but again, simple, not easy, right? And that is like the when you wake up. I always think how you start your day is setting the tone for your entire day. As campy and cheesy as that sounds, again, no, there's no, cliches no, for a reason. Brooke, no, say it, say it unapologetically <laughs> and like drill it into people. Yes, because again, simple, not easy, because the first thing that we want to do is we want to grab our phones. We want to look at, you know, we want to go into what puts us into reactive mode. And if we could... One of the biggest things that I did was I was like, you know what? I'm not getting on my phone for the first hour of the day. I'm not opening social media. I'm not checking email. I'm not going to open up this portal that then causes me to react. Because a lot of times we grab our phone and we go to Instagram and we hit, you know, swipe a finger and we see a post that triggers us in a good way or a bad way. And we're instantly in this fight or flight mode. We're instantly in reaction mode. And that's not the way, you, because again, that sets the tone for your entire day. And then you wonder why you're running around in with your tight chest and filling all the things. And it's like, well, you didn't even come back to your body fully. So like when you wake up, what I do is I literally like to just lay there. I like to roll out my ankles, my wrists. Like for me, I go through a whole spiritual routine, routine of calling all my power back and, you know, connecting and praying and doing all of this stuff. But it's really about just coming back to my body. And then I go, you know, I'll I, sometimes I'll read a book or sometimes I'll meditate or sometimes I drink my tea. My husband brings me tea in bed every morning and I will just be in that flow instead of jumping out of bed and reacting. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, I work a nine to five or I've got kids or whatever. That takes time. Obviously, you do what you can do. Some people just need to. I started out with five minutes of quiet in the morning. Yeah. Right. And then 10 minutes and then 50 and then da, 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 da. But my goal was always an hour with no phone. That was always like the premise. But then the silent, actual intentional time of journaling, meditating, being with yourself, because a lot of times we wake up and our alarm clock goes off and we jump out of bed and we're rushing to get the kids ready for school and we're doing this, we're doing that. And we're real. We're just running around instead of like this stillness that will set the tone with our central nervous system through the day. So for me, morning is like I like to give myself as much time as possible to be by myself before I know my son gets up, before I know I have to do anything. So that for me sets the whole tone. And then moving into the second thing, which I've been teaching to my community for years and years, I call it MTMs, Mindful Transition Meditations. And this is for people that do have a hard time slowing down or like, I can't sit in meditation. I can't do 20, 30, 40 minutes of meditation. I get it. Like I used to be the same way. But what I started to do was between every task in my day, I stop for 30, 60, 90 seconds, close my eyes, and I take deep breaths. That's it. So it goes like this, though. After this call, 
I'm going to sit at this desk and I'm going to breathe with my eyes closed, coming back to my body, pulling all my power back, making sure that I'm fully present before I go to my nail appointment. Right. And then when I drive, here's the other kicker. I drive in a car. We pass all this energy. We, We see all these lights and see all these people. Before I get out of my car to go into the nail salon, I'm going to close my eyes and breathe 30, 60, 90 seconds. Then I'm going to go in, get my nails done, talk to all the ladies, get back in my car, breathe 30, 60, 90 seconds, drive home before I get out of my car and greet my husband and child, breathe 30, 60, 90 seconds. Because what happens is, is say that I get off this call, I go to go to the nail salon, I drive, I get it. We're driving all the energies from every task into every. And then we wonder at the end of the day, oh my gosh, I'm so I'm so exhausted. Like, what do I, what do I, you know, we're like in this like frantic, depleted energy. But if we would take 30, 60, 90 seconds in between each task, people think when I teach this and that's when we're like, ah. Like doing the dishes, I literally will quit doing the dishes and stand there and breathe for 30 seconds before I go do the laundry and yeah. so forth. And it, by the end of the day, said that you have all these tasks, you have 30, 60 minutes sometimes of intentional, mindful, quiet time with yourself added up by the end of the day. And I've attest that not only for me, but all of my clients and, and community that have done this practice over the last couple of years. Like it does enrich your days and enriches your life. You're less exhausted. You're less at peace. You're more at peace. You're less stressed. Like these little bitty things that anybody can do. Because if you're telling me that you don't have 30, 60, 90 seconds in between each thing that you do, then you're doing way too much, right? Or if you don't have time for that little bit of self-care, then something else has to go, right? Yeah, yeah. Which brings me back brings me back to something you said earlier, and I'll I'll give Jocko full credit in the world. However you understand that radical honesty and ownership is the path out, the faster you, and whether it's reading Jocko's book on extreme ownership, whether it's doing personal development, whether it's understanding that events are neutral and it's our interpretation, like pick pick your vessel and bridge to get there. But I love to challenge this concept of time because a lot of people I coach, I coach very high level entrepreneurs and they'll tell me they have no time. And then I ask them to send me a screenshot of their screen time in their iPhone. And then (laughs) I typically get a lot of gifts around like F off. I'm so mad at you. And I was like, are you going to send it? And they're like, leave me alone. I get it. I get it. I get it. Because it's where we choose to spend that time. And we feed. I love those practices and I do a version of your MTMs. I'm going to step it up today for everybody listening. Like I am doing this today and I'm going to increase the frequency because I love picking up little things. Like I I have it with like chunks of my time. Like I'll get off a podcast and like when I leave the office, I have a ritual for leaving everything in the office Mm -hmm. and a clearing one. But then I even was like thinking about this morning and I, I probably knocked out like 30 things before 7 30 in the morning as a parent right kids up daughter up son up and i'm like i just saw six or seven moments where i could have taken 30 seconds to breathe which would have regulated my entire family's nervous system around me and kept frantic at bay but calm and collected by my willingness to lead that and so i have a question for you about that topic in general, because one of the things that I never realized is that 
my reactivity in the morning or in my day was also conditioning the world on how I wanted them to behave with me. Uh-huh. And so there was this period where I was changing, but the world around me was demanding this old me because I never right. realized my behaviors were conditioning that world. And, and for a lack of better terms, creating codependency that I could always hide in because somebody always needs me, right? Well, they yeah. need me. They need it right now. They need it. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And I never realized that I was conditioning that. And so, you know, the, this, this practice of whatever it is for you listening, whether it's four minutes in the morning, two minutes in the morning, waking up and when your alarm goes off, snoozing it and then touching every part of your body and just thanking it for being there for you today. Like touch your toe, touch your knee, touch your yeah. ankle, like put your hand on your heart, but, but start creating these moments. And so I guess I didn't have a question. I just wanted to make a valid point that like what you're talking about is so powerful because yeah. um, I felt like when I lacked the understanding of even how my behaviors created the world around me. Yes. It made it a lot harder for me when I was choosing new empowering behaviors because I had conditioned mm -hmm. all of those relationships. And what ended up happening was that when I started catching them, I would then go renegotiate relationships. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, hey, listen, I know you've been messaging me. That's totally on me. Can you do me a favor and just not send me anything till 10 a.m. or not text me after hours? And I, and I started like recreating that environment using these practices that you speak about, which I absolutely, absolutely love. Yeah. And I think that's also an important piece of, of whether it's healing the hustle or a spiritual awakening, we have created, we create our environments by, like you said, our actions. And when we start to evolve or to ascend in whatever way that we start to go around, it's important that you know that you you can lose people in your life too and you can you got to lose habits and you'll lose people right and so or people that won't understand when you have new boundaries like you said not messaging till 10 a.m or or whatever it's like you have to then reprogram the people around you because they're just going off of like exactly what you just said they're going off of how you've programmed them to yep. be with you to yep. be in connection and relation with you and so you do it like even when you're starting out and like taking the moments in the morning and maybe, you know, it's all on you to get up a little bit earlier than your kids or whatever. But like if your kids and your spouse knows, hey, the first 10 minutes of my day, I'm in silence. So if you come in before this time, like I'm not here. Right. And so you have to have those conversations and you have to set those new standards and boundaries for how you're living your life and, and how you want. And some people will get it and, and respect and honor and other people will have to like exit stage left, you know, and, and that's it's, okay it's too. Loud. It's all divine. Very, very powerful shaman said to me a very long time ago, working through my codependency, he said, relationships last for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. Yes. And the distinction is out of your control. Absolutely. And, and I was beautiful. like, huh? What? Yeah. No, 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 no. This is my codependency. I'm going to hoard all of these. I'm going to hoard all of these. Yeah. Um, so I, I have a, I have a question about this. So we've talked a lot about like sovereignty and alignment, mm -hmm. right? I would love to know how you measure your success or even bring awareness to your current state of like knowing if you're in alignment and knowing if you're in sovereignty versus mm -hmm. 
not knowing? Like, how do you gauge that? Is it a feeling? Is it a practice? Is it a check-in? Uh, because I feel like that's a muscle that's not flexed a lot either. And yeah. the con the context for this is that like when I started reestablishing these containers and for all you entrepreneurs listening to this, this also applies to your team. So like yeah. we have communication modalities. Like if we slack each other, we all have notifications off and I have no expectation if I slack my team at 6 p.m. I don't think I'm going to hear from them till like 6 p.m. the next day, right? But they have the same one with me. So yeah. what ended up happening for me, Echo, is that I would wake up and have all my stillness and have all my space and then be like, no one in the world needs me, like nothing's broken. And then I was stuck in this, am I doing the right thing? And uh, like, what should I be doing right now? Because there's unlimited opportunity in front of me. And I had to start really weighing like, okay, what actions am I taking? And so I would yes. love to hear your thoughts. Like, how can you tell if you're in alignment or in sovereignty? Yeah. And then if, oh, bring it back in. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So for me, like people, there's, you know, the lingo of alignment. There's so much alignment talk out there. When I speak of alignment, and I'm sure it's very similar for you, when I speak of alignment, I mean in alignment with my higher self, with with my sovereignty, with, you know, this next level version of me that's, you know, pure and whole. And and so when I'm when I'm in that space and how I know, I always say the difference between my soul and my ego. I always put it that way. So I know that I'm in alignment with my higher self, my soul. And doing and fulfilling my life's mission, my purpose, this movement that I'm leading, I know it's there when it's pure of heart. When it's not led from the ego, and I know it's led from the ego and, and this lower vibration when it's out of fear, when I feel need, you know, when I feel lack, when I feel I should. Anytime I'm like, I should, I'm like, oh, nope, that my soul never says you should do something, right? Mm. There's never that energy of fear, worry, doubt, lack scarcity it's pure of heart and it's like lights me up and it's just feels good it never feels like a burden if I ever feel like I'm like oh my gosh I have to do this then I look at that because we all have things right that we have to do in life that we don't want to do but there's a difference in a way that you can align yourself to do those things and whether it's hiring a team whether it's really getting into your energy and realizing okay I'm the woman leading this mission this is what I have to do to xyz cool but not making it a habit you know I'm doing a bunch of things you don't have to do so I just differentiate really simply like if it feels good if it feels pure of heart if it feels like it is just it lights me up versus fear. I should, I need that energy. I know is, is always going to send me into scarcity and hustle. So anytime I start to feel that I take a deep breath, I look at it and I go, okay, what do I really need? One of my mentors, she, she said this so beautifully. She's like, there's such a difference between need versus desire. Right. And you know, we think we need the new iPhone 14, but really you say you have a phone and you could just have a flip phone from a Facebook marketplace, but people need the new phone. You know, it's like we have such a skewed vision for what need versus desire is, right? And comfort versus safety. And so we have to really look at those things when we're creating and make sure that we are coming from that pure space of heart. And, and really, for me, it was about always making sure that I am the woman that's leading this mission and this movement that I I'm I am now, but that I have this vision for in the future. Like I'm being her. And Man. what would she do in this moment? Would she run around shooting on herself and doing all the things that she would think she has to do to 
stroke the ego. No, she would be creating from an inspired place. She'd be slowing down. She'd be taking deep breaths. She'd be having fun. You know, those kind of things. Always like envision that future version of myself. What would she be doing? And I embody that. I love it. And and I'm going to call out a couple things because you've mm-hmm. said this a few times, but it's bringing awareness and then it's falling back onto a a, a habit, a ritual, or a practice. Like you said, slowing down, which is an yes. intentional self-practice. You said yes. breathing, which yes. is an intentional self-practice. Mm-hmm. You said alone time, which is an intentional self-practice. Yes. And so awareness is the game. When, when you realize like, oh, this doesn't feel right. This isn't here. That's your body's check engine light saying, mm-hmm. please pay attention to me and plug yes. in for a minute. And yes. plugging in doesn't mean it goes away. Mm-hmm. Plugging in acknowledges its existence so it no longer runs you and you can choose. 100%, 100%. And there's plenty of times we can drive our cars with the check engine light on or the windshield washer fluid's low and we're like, all right, I'm good till it rains, but I'm aware that it's there. Right. Now, what am I going to do and what actions am I going to take? And I so- always say one of my sayings is 75% of the healing is awareness. Yes. And the other 25% is taking aligned action to heal what you became aware about. And so it is, it's like the big chunk of it is like you said, awareness. Okay, I'm aware. And then the next piece of it is, okay, what what am I going to do about it, right? Because a lot of people like to hang out in awareness. Oh, I know, I know, I know. And then like you said, it rains and you need, you know, a day after rain and you need windshield wipe with fluid and you've been saying, I need to get that for six months, right? It's like, what are you going to do about it? And that follow through is really important. In that, in that I could go on a whole tangent on, I, you and I have talked about that, the just doing yeah. enough that I'm like coming out of, you know, because I was oh. so afraid to go back to the hustle that I got a little bit too lax, you know? So oh. it's that follow through, it's taking aligned action on what you're aware about that that's the yeah. cherry on the top. Yeah, because awareness without intentional action is a liability. 100%. That's it. It's, and this is a game of, this is a game of inches, right? Like I, you know, Tony Robbins says this all the time. People over on, overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10. Ah. And for me, and I don't know what this was like for you, and we're going to land this plane in a minute, a couple more questions, short ones. But because that hustle culture was so big and so there, I also designed my life to only ever swing for grand slams and only ever swing for home runs. And I always underestimated the power of base hits. And I'm not even a sports fan, but I've heard this quote so many times. And they say, home runs don't win baseball games, baseball, I mean, base hits do. Yeah. And it's these practices and this intentional action and this alignment that if you protect progress for five minutes a day or two minutes a day, at the end of a year, that's a whole lot of progress that completely trumps any big swing that could have been made. And so I love... I love, I love all of this. So I, I only ask this question to very special people because I love answers. And this one is selfishly, purely for my entertainment and joy um, with, with your enlightenment. And so I got, I got two questions left, but the first one, and I'm so intrigued to hear your answer. Oh no. If you could combine two animals to be your spirit animals, (laughs) what would they be and why? Oh my goodness. I love this. I love this so much. Okay. It's just going to be so weird. This is going to be the weirdest animal ever. I've never thought about these two to death. Oh my gosh. So, well, two of my main spirit animals I work with is the dolphin and the owl. Just imagining a dolphin and an owl together. And though, you know, the wisdom and the, and 
the sage energy of the owl and then the angelic light play of the dolphin. So yeah, those two together would be hilarious. Do you want to know, do you want to know what my answer was? Absolutely. It was a bald eagle and an orca whale. Oh, there you go. Look at us. We are twinning. Which is hilarious. You went on like the feminine side and I went on the masculine side. <laughs> and you like, oh, and I'm like waiting for your answer. And I'm like, oh, this one's going to be good. And I'm like, oh, she picked a fish and a bird too. Okay, got it. Yep. Let's of just add to the, the stack of synchronicity. I love that. Oh, yeah. It's so such good. a fun question. I love that. An owl and a dolphin. Why the dolphin? The dolphin just takes me back to my Atlantis time and just the play and the light angelic energy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like dolphins are so intuitive and empathetic. Mm. And uh, I call I call my horses land dolphins. Oh, I love horses. I grew up. Yeah, we have we have we have eight horses at the house. But somebody somebody was over the house. They're like, oh, are those all your horses? I'm like, oh, those are my land dolphins. I love it. And they're like, what? And I was like, no, no, horses can sense your heartbeat from over a hundred yards away, and and dolphins can as well. And so I call them my land dolphins. Oh, I love horses too. Oh, it makes me happy. All right. So two things I want to do. Uh, before asking the last question, this should only take a minute. But what I would love to do is to do an MTM right now. Okay. I would love for us each to close our eyes, do, mm-hmm. you know, three or four just quick rounds of intentional breath, and then each mm-hmm. share something we're grateful for to close this container. Beautiful. All right. Eyes are closed. Beautiful. <laughs> I felt incredible. So, I'll let you I'll let you share first. Oh, what I'm grateful for, honestly, and after this conversation, it's so beautiful to connect and just speak. And I'm I think what came through just in that that breath was I'm so grateful that source laid a message on my heart at this time in this world and that I have a voice to share it. So yeah. Thank you. Um Echoing yours, I'm incredibly grateful that you said yes, mm. that you showed up today because your willingness to share those words impacted me very positively. And I know many people listening to this, and I feel like they were the universal gift based on my morning that was needed in this moment oh. for me to have an awareness and breakthrough. And so thank you so much for oh, sharing you. and being here and just being you, just being thank you. Thank you so much, George. It's an honor. Okay. So before we wrap, uh, where is the best place for everybody to come absorb all your juju, all your woo-woo, all your guji? Like, where is the best place for everybody to find Echo? Instagram is where I hang out the most, and it's super yeah. simple, at Echo Summerhill. Everything's there. Echo Summerhill, E-C-H-O, Summer, S-U-M-M-E-R, Hill, H-I-L-L. And I'll make it really easy for you. 
because I'll enable you a little bit. If you can't find her, shoot me a DM on Instagram and I'll personally send you the link to her profile. There you go. I'll send 100 of them, 500 of them, 1,000 of them. However many of you ask, George, the other George and me, will have turbo fingers and we'll send them to you to make it really (laughs) Um, So one last question, and this Mm. is how I always land the plane. So we've been recording for an hour and four minutes and I want you to imagine that everybody listening to this podcast just got men in black and forgot the entire beginning of the episode. But in this moment, you have the ability to tattoo wisdom on their soul that they will take with them for the rest of their existence. What is your tattoo wisdom echo? Mm. That you are worthy of choosing the life that you desire and to really look at the life that you have right now and see if it's alignment to your truth and your happiness that you know you're here to create. We'll just sub that one in a fortune cookie and read it over and over. I love it. What a beautiful way to land the plane. Echo from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing your voice. And for everybody listening, thank you for giving us your attention and the most valuable asset that we can't give back to you, which is time. And so thank you so much for being here. We're going to land the plane now. So for everybody listening, this has been another episode of the Mind of George Show. Make sure you go to Instagram and find Echo or I will hunt you down like <laughs> Liam Nielsen and Taken because I have a particular set of skills to make you follow her on Instagram. Uh, Echo Summerhill on Instagram. Most importantly, remember that relationships will always beat algorithms, especially the one with yourself. So I'll either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, it's time for that cute outro that we play. So we'll see you guys later. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.